Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we talk about how fund managers are adjusting their views for a post-pandemic world to better assess where new investment opportunities could soon arise, with Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, and Mike Haslam, Investment Funds Director. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello, welcome to Word on the Street. This week, I'm really pleased that we have got Mike Haslam back. Mike, welcome back. Good to have you. And not only are we now in April, we're now in the second quarter. We're also in a new tax year. Can you believe it? Did you get yours in on time? <laughs> regular saver, regular saver, Nikki. I'm pleased to hear it. You, you, you take your own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I think what would be great for us to talk about is, is just, can you, can you share with us a little bit more about what fund managers are doing right now? You know, I think, I think this time of the year of the tax year, we tend to, we tend to think about the year ahead and what changes might we make, etc. So, thinking about what the professionals are doing, the ones that are actually investing our underlying clients' money, because we tend to create portfolios and funds that are typically made up of third-party managers' funds, whether that's trackers or, or active managers. So, Mike, you're you're in constant contact with fund managers, and, and I'm sure you've had some insights recently about what's generally on their, on their minds, what actions might they be taking. But just to start with, maybe for our newer listeners... What is it that makes us choose a particular fund manager? I mean, obviously, we don't just throw a dart at a dartboard, do we? Or I hope you're going to say we don't. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely (laughs) not. So very few fund managers actually pass our stringent approval process. Um, so, So what do we actually look for in a fund? Well, it's trying to find a fund where we can prove that the performance, so the performance that you see on the fact sheet of that fund is because of the skill of the fund manager and it's not just luck. And it's actually quite difficult to do. And it's even more difficult for you and I, Nikki, because if we simply Google the name of a fund, we get a big chart showing the performance. And as we all know, past performance is not a guide to future performance, etc. So when you, when you look at the investment space, there are something like 2,500 funds in the UK to choose from. And then when you widen that net to the entire world, as we do at Barclays, it's, there's something like seventy to 75,000 funds worldwide. And there's only about 100 of them that make it through our selection process. And these 100 funds are the ones that we use for our clients' investment portfolios. And believe me, it's a very serious and thorough process. We've got to be so careful and diligent about who manages our clients' money. From what you're describing there about the sort of the process and, and the care and attention, sounds a bit like the deliberations when choosing a babysitter for your precious firstborn. Um, it sounds pretty intense. Absolutely. That's it. That's not a bad analogy, actually. When I think back to the babysitters we used to use when our children were, were very young, I think all the babysitters we ever used were either family members, their family friends, people who knew very well, or it was somebody that had been through the full Haslam screening process, including very fine first, first aid training and dental records, all sorts of other stuff. But <laughs> believe me, it's a really thorough process. But joking aside, though, it's the same when it comes to choosing a fund manager to look after our clients' money. 
Okay. And, and then those, once we've been through the process and, and we have them on board, and, and I know that the team keep in constant contact, mm-hmm. what are you hearing the fund managers are, are doing at the moment as opposed to just their everyday activity? Are there sort of specific turning points or things that they are looking for, you know, worries on, on the minds? For example, we talked about it in, in recent podcasts like inflation, global growth. Is that, is that going to bounce back post-pandemic? You know, what does the Biden administration mean for, for the global economy, et cetera? Are those are the kinds of conversations you guys are having. Kind of, but really the conversations when you talk to fund managers, they're really more focused about individual companies. Now, I've spoken a bit about this before. And looking at where we are today, when you when you look at companies and and how you assess those companies, what you've got at the moment are those companies that have done really well during lockdown, the so-called lockdown winners. And then you've got those companies that haven't done so well the lockdown losers. Now, the lockdown winners are the obvious ones. Companies, I guess, Amazon, Zoom, Netflix, you know all the ones I mean, Nikki, probably household. Oh, God. Uh, well, a- Amazon, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're on speed dial, I think, certainly in our household. And, and you know, perhaps oh, Disney, Deliveroo, Disney, others. Absolutely, Disney, <laughs> Disney Plus. I'm with you on that one. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the Star Wars catalogue here. I think I've nearly finished the entire Marvel films the next next month. So those kind of companies, Disney in particular, have they've done really well last year. So the funds that invested in those companies have done really well as well. Now, this year, it's different. And this year, it's all about how the world is going to look post-lockdown, post-vaccine, post-pandemic, because the world has changed so much during the last 12 months. I even heard one fund manager recently comparing it to what happened after after the end of World War II. So you go back to 1945, the end of the war, the UK didn't just slip back into how it was back in the 1930s. Things had changed during the war. Things needed to change after the war. And there was this massive change, a huge social upheaval. This was when the, uh, the UK welfare state was created, free health insurance for all, and the birth of the NHS. And similar things have happened to us over the last 12 months. We will not simply return to how we were pre-pandemic. A lot of us will be working from home probably forever. Shopping online will be the norm for a lot of the things we uh, we buy and businesses will have to change and adapt. Well, and society as a whole is changing. I mean, mm. for example, cash. My my children are lucky enough that, that birthdays, you know, they tend to get a birthday card with with a tenor in it, which is all very exciting. But, but you know, when, when cash falls out of an envelope, it's like, what do I do with that? So I end up taking the cash and, and putting it in their bank accounts by mobile app. But, but then I'm, I'm left with all this cash that, you know, who's using cash at the moment? Nobody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Cash is so 2019. But let's have a look at it, what that means. So what does that mean then without, you know, with, with, with less and less cash? What does it mean for investors, for fund managers? So if less and less people like you and I are using cash, maybe, you know, companies like MasterCard and Visa, you know, that's not a bad idea. I've, I've heard from many fund managers who have just done that, who, who have done just that, bought shares in Visa or MasterCard. And the reason why is because even if you use other digital payments uh, methods like Apple Pay, Visa and MasterCard still benefit because it's their payments network, their global network and systems that Apple Pay use. And, you know, think about it. The first thing you do when you set up Apple Pay on your phone is enter your Visa or MasterCard number. That's that's so true. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I tend to see my credit card is just as a, as a, as a picture on my screen. Mm-hmm. I, I'd never really thought of that, but obviously, you know, one thing we must say in case anyone is, is uh, silly enough to tune out right now, as opposed to at the end of this podcast, but all the companies and the stocks that you mentioned, it's not a, it's not a personal recommendation. We're, we're not saying that our listeners should go out and buy these shares at all or today. It's purely for illustration, right? Mm-hmm. It's just to give some insight into the types of companies that the fund managers are, are, are actively looking at. And can you can you bring some other areas to, to life, Mike, and any other areas that are that are sort of hot topics? Mm. So as I said, it's all about the new world post pandemic. Uh, so you know, uh, digital payments is one of them. And there's so many other things going on. So here's, here's a couple of examples. Home fitness. Now, this seems it seems like this is here to stay. And it's not just Joe Wicks, but companies like Peloton, who offer home cycling, you know, on the bike machines, running, they do yoga classes, aerobics classes online, home workouts are here to stay and companies like Peloton are the sort of things that fund managers are looking at. Another, we've mentioned it before, working from home and working from home for longer. The truth is we will be working from home a lot more and there's a lot of opportunities here for investors. One example is cybersecurity. After all, we're all using our own broadband and Wi-Fi in our homes and to access our work systems. For example, the other day I phoned up to renew my car insurance. I spoke to somebody working out of her front room, like you and I are doing today, Nikki. Yeah. And it was only at this point when she asked me for all sorts of information, such as address, date of birth, etc., that I started to think about just how safe that information is. And you know, the fact that she was probably using her own broadband at home. And that is why cybersecurity is a big area of growth. Any companies with workers at home using their own computer systems, cybersecurity is a top priority. So that so that's one area. Another area working from home, 5G. Okay, so moving from 4G to 5G on our um, mobiles. So last summer, I had all sorts of issues with broadband in my in my home, kept on crashing during the summer. And as a result, I had to use 4G on my phone to get a connection in order for me to join meetings, etc., But we need an even more reliable connection than 4G for when our broadband fails or when we're out outdoors or 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 just simply not at home. And 5G is the answer. As a result, it's being touted that demand for 5G could outstrip any other advance in mobile technology we have ever seen. And fund managers are out there finding ways to invest in companies that will benefit from the rollout of 5G technology. Make, makes complete sense. It, it sounds so obvious when you when you put it like that. But I suppose also part of the trick is is not just about you know what are tomorrow's winners or the sort of componentry to what we'll need to make more of to support our different ways of working and living. But also it's about avoiding losers, right? There's no point making all the profits in the world if you if you lose it all the next day, right? So so thinking about the sort of lockdown losers, as you as you called it, what are the sorts of areas that the fund managers are, are, are seeking to manage the risk or, or avoid? Yeah, well, when it comes to lockdown losers, you've got to think about those that will be permanently losers or those that will actually benefit. So there are lots and lots of companies that have suffered terribly during the lockdown. And hopefully, fingers crossed, there's a light at the end of the tunnel as we start to ease restrictions in the UK and some companies will emerge as winners. And what I mean by winners is those companies that will take market shares where others have failed. So pubs and restaurants is a good example. I've seen in my own town that some of these pubs and some of the restaurants will never reopen. 
But those that will reopen, they will take the trade from those that have gone bust. They will gain market share and they will be the winners. And we see this in a lot of industries. Uh, I had one fund manager a few months ago talk about furniture stores, for example, where you've got DFS, uh, which is uh, moving into places. They will take market shares where the likes of Harvey's Furniture, Laura Ashley and Oak Furniture Land have closed stores. And these are the kind of companies our fund managers are looking for today. They're trying to identify the companies that will come out the other end as winners. And so you talk there about the fund managers searching for avoiding avoiding the latter and seeking more, more of the winners. It, it must be a case of, of us trying to find the right fund manager at the right time, buying the right shares at the right time. So, you know, what, what's the secret here? Which which ones should we be buying? Well, it's not, um, to be honest... It's probably not quite as exciting as you think. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Right. So, you know, fund manager trying to buy into stocks and double overnight and move on. It's more of what you'd probably call a get-rich-slow scheme. So fund managers will typically buy shares in companies to hold for the long term. And we're talking three to five years and beyond. But they will also buy into other companies when they see opportunities. And some of these new opportunities, like I've mentioned here, cybersecurity, 5G, etc., some of those opportunities have caught the attention of fund managers over the last 12 months, and they are investing into those companies for the long term, three to five years and beyond. OK, yeah. So that, that makes sense, right? This this isn't a sort of trading strategy, so to speak, buying in and out of fund managers. So, so where can the regular investor go to find out about which funds are available, how to, you know, how to work your way through them? Um, it depends where you're investing. If you're investing through an investment portfolio with Barclays Wealth, for example, no worries because uh, Barclays Wealth do all that for you. And, you know, we decide who we feel are the right fund managers to look after your money. But when it comes to self-invested, if you're doing it yourself and you're looking at the Smart Investor website, this is where you decide for yourself what funds to invest in. There are lots of ideas in the articles published there every week. So, you know, please do take a look at the website. You've got funds such as the Polar Capital Global Technology Fund, that's playing a lot of the tech themes I talked about, cybersecurity, 5G, online shopping, etc. You've got the J.O. Hambro UK Equity Income Fund, and that's where the manager and the team have spent a lot of time trying to understand all these lockdown losers that are going to emerge fitter and stronger, companies like National Express, DFS, supermarkets, etc. And you've got other you know, pretty, pretty, pretty dynamic funds like the BlackRock European Dynamic Fund, a really interesting fund worth looking at. So it's, it's well worth a, um, a look across the articles on Smart Investor website. Okay, so, so no need to run, run and get a pen and paper and, and press rewind on the, uh, on the Spotify <laughs> app, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. I remember none, none of these, like you said earlier about the stocks, none of these are recommendations to buy, as you know, past performance, no indication of future returns, yeah. etc. Hopefully, you know, everyone by now understands that, that this is this is really about, especially, you know, if it is self-selection, it's because you feel able to take information and make your own decisions. Obviously, there are plenty of ways that investors can get invested, getting the help of, of, of a third party such as ourselves. And and we would recommend that people take advice if, if they're at all unsure. And and just another another question I'd like to ask you, Mike. So, I know you've been writing a, a, a number of articles about funds. You know, they've been put out on, on the websites, they've been put out on LinkedIn, et cetera. But, and, and what I've really appreciated is I think, you know, both that they're short, but, but also in, in pretty plain English, because although you and I are investment professionals, 
even even we can get frankly a bit turned off by you know too much lingo and and actually just having very very plain explanations is really really important so just share with the listeners if you will just you know where 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 to find some of these articles yeah so these are on the uh, so they're, they're published on linkedin and they're on the smart investor website and they're called weekly investment ideas and they are just that they are investment ideas published every week pretty obvious and each one of them focuses on just one fund and they're written in plain english there's no jargon like long-term discounted cash flows or risk-adjusted dynamic returns etc it's all plain english yeah and that and that's really important as i as i just said you know not not only for first-time investors where it's incredibly important and i think in the past perhaps in order for professionals to look clever we we've typically made it sound complicated and you know the danger the danger there is that actually it, it's it's a lack of clarity around an investment process or, or or thesis and so complicated language is used keeping it really simple is is important for all of us right yes that is so so right it's so frustrating First-time investors can find it extremely difficult to understand what goes on in each fund and what makes one fund different to another fund. I mean, it's not like buying a car where you can go and see the car, touch the car, test drive the car, and you can understand what makes one car different from another. So these notes are a step in the right direction of helping investors. It's what Smart Investor is all about, educating and learning. Great stuff. So, so look, I think we're out of time, Mike. Any final thoughts or comments you'd like to make? Well... To be honest, I'm not sure over the last 10, 12 minutes or so if I've just complicated things here today or not. But I personally find this whole area fascinating, understanding what fund managers are buying and selling, that they have the experience, they have the knowledge. They can pick up the phone and speak to the management team that runs these companies. They have teams of analysts that's spending day after day analysing each company. They will sometimes research a company and follow it for years before they, before they end up buying shares in it. Something that you and I simply cannot do ourselves. So my advice is try and understand a little bit more about individual funds. It's a really interesting place. Take a read through the material we publish on Smart Investor website and build a diversified portfolio if you're doing it yourself. Because in the same way as um, investing all your money into the shares of just one company is risky, or it can be risky, investing everything into just one fund can be risky as well. So build a diversified portfolio. And if you can't do that for yourself, or if you don't have the time to, leave it to somebody else to do for you. And that's the sort of thing that we do for our clients and customers. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Well, you certainly not confused me. You've made it a lot clearer. And actually, I think it is worth showcasing that what these fund managers do is 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 complex. And that's why we utilize them. But it's about it's about choosing the right ones in the right kind of blend to make up your diversified portfolio. So so thanks very much for that. And thank you to our listeners. We'll speak to you again next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value. And their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.